Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in Friday edition of the program. So glad to have you with us as we close out the week. It's been an eventful week. The NBA Combine is underway, but Trace Jackson Davis is not there. He uh, came down with COVID-19 last week, causing him to miss the Combine. So a real blow, I think, and most people agree with that take, uh, to his uh, chances on being drafted and for him to position himself in the draft uh, where he has said he wants to go in the top 35 if he's going to leave college basketball. So we'll follow that. We'll see what Trace is up to next week as we hope he returns to good health and is able to take advantage of this NBA draft prospect uh, process and perhaps get some workouts in with individual or small groups of NBA franchises. But tough blow for Trace Jackson Davis. I really thought today – we would be following every stat and everything we could from the combine in Chicago. But uh, with COVID-19, he is out, and that's just simply not the case. But we'll continue to track that next week as well. Also, uh, let's take a look at the lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. A busy show. We've got three guests going to join us in this jam-packed hour. Matt Weaver of Pigs.com, the football writer for Pigs, is going to check in here in just a moment. Obviously, yesterday was a day of bad news. Trace Jackson Davis, uh, obviously not at the Combine with COVID-19. And then Dave McCullough, a really big get in the class of 2023 for the football Hoosiers, we found out is uh, decommitting and considering other schools and not coming to Bloomington after his senior year of high school football. So Matt's going to help us digest a, another really tough blow this offseason for IU football and Coach Allen. Later in the show, Dylan Wallace, he's the sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. He'll join. We'll talk some IU basketball with him. We'll talk NBA Combine and also the 4A baseball sectional next week right in Dylan's neck of the woods just to the north of him over in Jennings County at North Vernon. And that's where New Albany, Jeff, and, of course, Floyd Central will be at for what should be some great baseball sectional games next Wednesday, Saturday, and Memorial Day Monday. So we'll catch up, preview that stuff with him. And then later in the hour, Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star. He's always with us Fridays as we take a look at recruiting and some other notes with Kyle today. So a very busy show, and we're glad to have you with us. The show lineup a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. And one other note, I always remind you of this at the start of the show, the Thornton's text line is open 
Send in your questions, your comments, your thoughts, whatever it may be, and I'll uh, include it in the program today. 502-414-1450 is that number. Again, 502-414-1450. The Thornton's text line, and Thornton's is the perfect stop for all of your best pick-me-up items that you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts. And let's get right to our first guest today, Matt Weaver of Pigs.com with us on IU Football. And Matt, yesterday a tough blow for IU Football, for Tom Allen. Dave McCullough will not be a Hoosier after high school graduation. Yeah, um, you know, <clears throat> something that there really hadn't been a lot of maybe talk about it, but when I saw that he visited Cincinnati unofficially, uh, I think it was either in March, might have been in March or last month, I can't remember the exact time, um, and he posted pictures on Twitter about it and how much he enjoyed it. I think there was probably some red flags there. Then obviously, you know, his dad leaving, and I know his brothers are, are on the roster, but um, it, it, this isn't a total shock to me. Um, like I said, nothing that, you know, really hurt one way or another, but just kind of reading the tea leaves, this, this doesn't really surprise me. And while it's a tough blow, I've said it before, I've yet to come across a football one football recruit who can transform a program. You need a good class. It's not about one guy, whether it's a quarterback or a DB or whatever it may be. Um, so to me, the most important thing is putting together a good class. They did that in 22, and now they got to try to do it again in 23. Talking with Matt Weaver of Pigs.com. You know, I did not realize this until a listener sent me a link that earlier in the week, McCullough announced, or it was released, I guess, found out that he wasn't going to return to Bloomington South as a senior in the class of 2023. He was going to transfer up north to South South Bend St. Joseph's, uh, a private school in South Bend, which would make sense because that's where his family, his father is now at on the Notre Dame staff. So not just a change in colleges for him uh, to reopen that process, at least yesterday, uh, but also earlier in the week, a change in high schools. I did not know he was leaving Bloomington. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't heard where he was going to go, but I, I assumed he would probably head somewhere up there to one of the one of those schools up there in the South Bend area, whether it be St. Joe's or one of the other ones up there, um, and, and play up there with his obviously his mom and dad are both going up there, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, as a younger brother. Um, so his whole family was going to be up there, and I'm sure it's tough. He, you know, this will be his uh, third high school in three years, but you know that's the nature of being the uh, the son of a of a football coach. It's a very uh, you know they they move around a lot. It's a it's a it's a business where um, you know a lot of times you're not at a place for more than a year or two. Absolutely. Uh, talking about the uh, decommitment from Dave McCullough yesterday, a big-time 2023 football player. I got to tell you, Matt, when I first got the news yesterday, we were on the air, I think, right as it happened uh, that he put that tweet out that he was going to decommit. I haven't followed it nearly as closely as you to realize he had been just a month or two ago at Cincinnati on an unofficial visit. I would have assumed when he decommitted he's going to go play with his father, I think, which would kind of be the natural thought and almost a very understanding thought that fans and people would have. Okay, he committed to IU when his father was an integral part of the staff. Now that his father has moved on to another position, it would make sense he would probably go play for him at Notre Dame. But that's not even the case. It does look like Cincinnati and other schools is where he's considering. I didn't even see Notre Dame on the list. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that, too. I mean, there's still a long time to go, and, and maybe some of it is, you know, it, Notre Dame's going to end up being a, uh, a, a top choice, and they want he kind of wants to explore his other options. But I think it was like Cincinnati, Penn State, I want to say maybe Northwestern. I can't remember all the schools that were on the list. But, um, 
yeah, I thought Notre Dame would at least be listed on there. And, and but then again, you know, his dad's you know not in charge of recruiting uh, DBs for Notre Dame, and you know maybe they have other guys that are higher on their board. I, I don't know what Notre Dame's recruiting board looks like, but you know I think at the end of the day, I would still think that they, I would be surprised if they're not involved a little bit. It'll just be interesting to see you know what, at what depth they get involved. All right, Matt, this was a great class for Tom Allen especially when you consider how last season ended, how things went really throughout the year. How does Tom Allen and staff bounce back recruiting-wise from such a big decommit? Well, I mean, you, you, there's listen, Dave McCullough is a, is a good prospect, and this is not any knock on Dave McCullough or anybody else, but you can go down to Florida, you can go down to Texas, you can go to Georgia, and you can find 20 guys talent-wise that are right on his level. So, like I said, that's not a knock against anybody. It's just those states – have a ton of players and if it was me that's where I would go I would go down there and I would try to find the replacement in one of those states um you know especially in, when you look, talk about Florida and Texas two states that are like Indiana basketball they live breathe breathe um sleep football and they just produce a ton of really good players and um you know I I would go down there and I that's where I would try to find a replacement I mean I I know there's some guys they like from those different areas um you know that they could be bringing in for visits so you know, it's, 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 it's a bummer, but losing a guy in May is a lot better than losing a guy in late November, early December, where you don't have really much time to replace him. So, you know, timing-wise, this is about as good as it could be. But it does, it, it does sting a little bit, especially, you know, with his um, brothers being at IU already. But, you know, this is, this is recruiting, especially in football recruiting. Guys jump around um, with their commitments all the time. Matt Weaver, Peaks.com, I guess, starting today's show with some IU football. Getting into more general college football stuff for a moment, Matt, while we have you. Uh, a lot of talk about eliminating divisions in high major college football. Uh, it's even been mentioned, I think it was the Iowa athletic director that was on record before the, the latest news about possibly getting away from divisions broke, uh, that the Big Ten was considering that as well. Do you think the Big Ten – and the rest of big-time college football eventually gets rid of the divisional setup, and I guess that has to really help Indiana and others in that very tough East division of the Big Ten Conference. Yeah, I think they will. I think I think the divisions, obviously. I mean, let's just we've talked about it before. They're 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 the East is weighted way heavier than the West. It's just. It's, I mean, I don't. I think I, I can't remember the stat, but I don't think um, I think the East has won every single Big Ten championship game. Um, you know, it's it, and let's let's be honest. Everything money drives everything, and you know, nothing against a Wisconsin, nothing against an Iowa or even a Northwestern, but you know, I think people you're going to get more eyeballs in a Big Ten championship game that has Michigan, Ohio State, or Ohio State, Penn State, or something like that than you would Ohio State, Iowa. I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean. So to, to kind of guarantee that matchup, or at least give it a better chance of happening, you know, I, you need to get rid of divisions because obviously if two teams are in the same division, they can't play for the Big Ten title. So I think it'll happen. Um, I, you know, obviously I think this year it's too late to change it for obviously 22, but it wouldn't shock me if by 23 you see no more divisions in the Big Ten and they go to more of like a round robin type schedule, and and you know you kind of you kind of play everybody so every so often, and, and it's not um, East and West anymore. And I think it's the right thing to do. All right, Matt, I've got to bring this up. It's kind of the trending topic right now in college football, although it has nothing to do with IU or the Big Ten. 
How about Alabama coach Nick Saban? He called out Texas A&M coach Jimbo Fisher and also Jackson State coach and former NFL great Deion Sanders uh, for, I guess, maybe some improprieties, and he thought, in the NIL process. Uh, what was your take on that? Because Jimbo Fisher had quite the, resp- the reply for him in a press conference, I think, the following day. Well, I kind of go back to an old saying my, uh, uh, my grandparents used to say to me, uh, uh, hey, pot, meat, kettle. Um, and, you know, it's, I'm, I, the thing with NIL is I don't think a lot of people realize it, it's not designed for recruiting. That's against the rules to use it to entice recruits. It was supposed to be for college athletes. And a lot of schools, and I guarantee you, I would be shocked if Alabama is not also using it in recruiting. So for, for Saban to call out Fisher, I thought was um, kind of ridiculous. Um, and, you know, uh, and just, you know, unless he's not, I, I just find it hard to believe that they're not using NIL at all in recruiting. Uh, Alabama isn't. I mean, they'd be stupid not to if everybody else is doing it and they're not enforcing that rule. You'd be you'd it'd be you'd be stupid not to. So, uh, to me, that's one of those things where you're better off. And I think he's come out and apologized since, probably because the SEC commissioner came down on him and Fisher. But you know, I I think it was something where I think if he could go back and do it over again, he probably uh, he probably doesn't say what he said. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I I caught just clips of it, didn't see it when it happened, but really a bizarre deal there from Coach Saban at Alabama, who normally is is kind of on the forefront of of uh, college football, but not in that light, for sure. So interesting stuff. Matt Weaver, Pigs.com. He's with us to start our Friday program on IU football, and obviously not a good topic. Dave McCullough decommitted from IU yesterday, and uh, who knows where he'll land, Cincinnati, maybe Notre Dame, who knows. But, Matt, thanks for the chat. We'll keep up with you here in the offseason on the Hoosiers and uh, Big Ten football, and sure appreciate your time here today. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. All right. Before we get out of here for a commercial break, I've got to mention this. IU baseball. uh, We don't talk a lot of Hoosier baseball unless they're winning and unless, uh, you know, it's a college World Series type team. We just don't. There's too many other things, even in the offseason with basketball specifically to talk about. But it's really been, I mentioned the Hoosiers earlier this week, winning some late series and trying to get into the Big Ten Conference Tournament because not everybody does in baseball. And I think I used the word roller coaster season for the Hoosiers on the baseball field. And just to kind of give you uh, an idea of the roller coaster that IU has been on after winning, I think it's four consecutive series in a row to try to make a push here late in the year. Yesterday, last night, they were in Iowa to start a series with the Hawkeyes and Indiana led the game 13-2, to a huge lead over Iowa after three innings of play. But IU baseball would go on to blow an 11-run lead to Iowa and lose by 14 runs. That is unbelievable all the runs scored in that game and for Indiana to have that sort of cushion and not only lose the lead and lose the game, but lose by a total of 14 runs. I was following it uh, from a distance a little bit on, on Twitter. Uh, there are some great people that follow IU baseball games, and I tell you what, it, hard hard to believe the turnaround uh, in that game last night. But uh, Iowa beats Indiana by 14 after the Hoosiers at one point led 
by 11 runs in that game. Just a, a crazy up and down game, let alone the roller coaster ride it's been for IU baseball this year. But just an amazing uh, way to lose a ball game. Unbelievable. We'll head to a commercial break. We're back with Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. We'll talk IU basketball. We'll talk the baseball sectional there at Jennings County. Dylan will be there for that as well, covering uh, his Seymour Owls. And we'll be there covering the Bulldogs, the Red Devils, and the Highlanders. And the Bulldogs and Highlanders, New Albany and Floyd Central, will play each other right out of the gate in what should be just a fantastic high school baseball game next Wednesday night. Stay with us for that. Still ahead as well, Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, uh, back here on this Friday program, the Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450, and Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune, is my guest. Dylan, I mentioned IU baseball going out to break in the last segment. That is unbelievable to blow an 11-run lead to Iowa last night and then lose by 14 runs. What a tough year it's been for IU baseball, some ups and some downs and last night, I didn't watch the game or listen to the game, but last night following that game, one of the craziest back-and-forth deals I've ever seen. It was so crazy. And they've actually been on a, a really nice kind of stretch here as of late. You know, they started out really bad. Um, but lately, the last couple of weeks, you know, they've really started to string together some wins. And last night when you looked up, I mean, they were up 13-2, to two and you're like, all right, you know, this is another win for them. It looks like they're looking good. And it, I think it was just two innings later – they were down like 16-13. They gave up a grand slam. It, it, it all happened so fast, and then obviously uh, it didn't stop from there. Uh, that was just a crazy, crazy turnaround. And I was like, Texas friends, I'm like, what is happening in this baseball game? Uh, and there was there were a couple of baseball games like that last night. I mean, one, I think Tennessee beat Mississippi State 27-2. to There were just some crazy scores across college baseball last night. Uh, and yeah, but for Indiana – uh, to be up 11 and uh, give it up in two innings and then lose by 14 uh, when it's all said and done, that, that's, that's hard to do uh, for a baseball team. But, um, but I, I, do, I do also want – I mean, they've also been – like I said, they've been doing pretty well lately. So hopefully uh, whatever happened last night, they can uh, get it out of their system. I think they're before, – before last night's game, their magic number to, to, I think, get into the tournament was two. So obviously they've put themselves in a little bit of a better position here as to where they started. Uh, last night's not going to help, but we'll see uh, how they can bounce back after that. And, and I saw a bunch of jokes about how uh, there were more, I think, runs put up by the baseball team or, or the baseball game combined than what it was when uh, Indiana football came to Iowa City uh, last fall. So Iowa's athletics were making jokes about that. So it's kind of funny. But, yeah, that, that was absolutely crazy and uh, definitely not something you see out of baseball very often. Absolutely. Talking to Dylan Wallace here. In segment two of our Friday program, uh, Trace Jackson Davis, we got the news a couple nights ago and we discussed it a lot yesterday on 
the Thursday edition of this program. But, man, what a tough break for him. Have you seen any updates since the word broke that he was positive with COVID last week and was forced to miss the combine and those activities on when he might uh, get back on the court or might be ready to do some individual-type workouts with NBA teams? I haven't seen anything recently, but I do know it's the whole process or whatever. I think it's it's a lot shortened now. I mean, uh, just for an example, uh, you know, Al Horford for the Boston Celtics missed game one, and then he was able – with COVID, and then he was able to play in game two, which was just two days later. So I know the way the testing is and the kind of the protocols the NBA and them have now, it's a lot less than it was, say, a couple months ago. So if Trace is able to – kind of get well soon I don't think he should be out for too long but again I don't know how serious it, it might be or if he's feeling bad anything like that but uh, hope, hopefully he can uh, get back to, to kind of being there and be able to partake in some of these activities because that, that was a real bummer for him and you know I've, I've been seeing a lot of pictures a lot of you know fellow Big Ten players were there a bunch of guys were there so it sucks that he missed out on that but hopefully he can get back on the court soon and uh, I, th- I think the one positive is there's definitely a lot less of the kind of strict protocols for it so hopefully if he's feeling better, you know, he can get a quick negative test and be back on the court sooner than, you know, it would have been a couple months ago. And I tell you, even even if he's negative and able to get back in workouts and on the court, still just a, a tough, bad luck, tough blow for him uh, to have this, again, minor setback when it's time for the combine, it's time for workouts with teams. Uh, that combine, there's so much more to it than just those five-on-five games. Uh, so just it, it couldn't come at a worse time for a guy that already is a fringe second-round draft pick, maybe according to some and maybe not according to a lot of others. So I think we'll always wonder if Trace chooses by June 1st to come back to school and not take what I think at this point would be a very risky path unless he's got a team really talking to him pretty good about what his hopeful, what their their thoughts on being very hopeful about getting picked there in the second round. Uh, but I think we'll always wonder as uh, if Trace does return, uh, if he didn't catch a, a mild case of the COVID, would he be back? Exactly. It's not like this is happening to, you know, Jay Ivey or Keegan Murray, who no matter what, even if they missed out on, you know, the past couple of days, like they knew, you know, teams would, would want them and probably take them in the first round regardless. Uh, you know, this is a guy, as you said, he's a fringe second rounder. You know, you can look at some big boards, he might be on it, some he might not be on it. Uh, and, you know, this this kind of opportunity for him to be able to, to partake in this stuff, and I think it's in Chicago, um, you know, it was an opportunity for him to kind of showcase his abilities, um, you know, ability to shoot the ball, stuff like that, see if he's gotten better at that and kind of show show the scouts that, you know, he could be a, a helpful NBA player. And uh, to not have that opportunity uh, is really unfortunate. Uh, you know, I, I, it sucks for him, but uh, hopefully, like we said, you know, he can try to get back as soon as he can and, and at least get some kind of, uh, you know, advice or feedback from, from people over there and get to experience some of that. And, uh, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe, you know, if he does end up coming back, you know, people might, just think, hey, well, maybe he wouldn't have if he got the opportunity to show some of his talents. Maybe it wouldn't have mattered. You know, who knows? We won't really know. I'm sure someone might ask him about it uh, if he does come back here in a little bit. But uh, hopefully whatever Trace can can still get out of it is very helpful. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate for him because, you know, he's he's played three years here, and I think everyone's rooting for him no matter what he does to kind of go out there and do the best. So, uh, you know, like we said, hopefully he can, he can you know, get, get some more experience out of that. 
And uh, I, I hope whatever this situation does doesn't influence his, his decision one way or the other. And I hope it, it's I hope I hope it's clear that you know whether or not he got COVID or not, if he he thought he was going to make it, he would still come back. Stuff like that, you know. I, I I hopefully you know his decision doesn't come down to just this unfortunate circumstance, and he can get some more kind of good feedback from them and be able to show show his abilities a little bit. But uh, I guess we'll see. It's coming up coming up soon kind of what his decision will be and i know all the indian fans are going to be interested to kind of see what that is yeah i think everybody right now holding their breath about what things could look like uh, for the team next season dylan wallace sports editor of the seymour tribune joining me um iu basketball we found out another non-conference game for next year uh this isn't exciting like a kansas or an arizona game in vegas but uh, it's part of the schedule and it's a home game kennesaw state will come to Bloomington at some point in the non-conference portion of the year. It was reported uh, yesterday, and we'll kind of – I think these things will trickle out, especially the ones that aren't big announcements. I call them the sexy uh, non-conference games where there's a big to-do about. We'll see some others, I would think, here in the next few months uh, trickle out, uh, much like this Kennesaw State game. But we do know another game, a third game at least, in non-conference play – and it's the uh, Kennesaw State team coming to IU. Yeah, not exciting, but I think it's okay based on what they've kind of built up already. You know, uh, they, they have a game at Kansas. Uh, they have the game in Vegas against Arizona. You know you're going to get an ACC team who's probably going to be one of the better ones. Um, I think they're back in the gather games, and I think that game's on the road, so they'll be at a Big East opponent as well. So that's four really good kind of high-profile non-conference games that Indiana already has on its schedule. So then, you know, now, you know, you sort of get some of the cupcake ones. You get Kennesaw State. I'm sure there's going to be, like you said, a bunch more that come out, uh, maybe six or seven-ish more, however many more they can get in coming out over the next couple of weeks throughout the summer. Um, and that's all right. You know, you, you still need games like that. Every single team in college basketball has games like that and has teams like that scheduled early on in November and December and stuff like that. So um, I think I saw they were – in the maybe like 240, 250 range in Ken Palm is Kennesaw State. Um, I saw some fans talking, you know, hopefully that's one of the lower-ranked ones uh, Indiana is going to have coming in uh, to face for the season. But I do think, and I mean, you can't be mad about how the schedule's shaking out so far. I mean, they're really going to have a nice test so far this season, and that's been something that fans have wanted for a while, you know, get, get a stronger non-conference schedule. Um, one, it helps your, your tournament resume, and two, it helps you just get a little bit more prepared, a little bit more kind of battle-tested for, for the Big Ten play, which is always a gauntlet. So I, I'm liking how the schedule is shaking out so far. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll hear a couple more of these Kennesaw State-type teams coming out over the summer as we go. But also excited to kind of hear who the ACC and Big East opponents are going to be as well. Yeah, absolutely. And last year there was a lot of excitement because Coach Woodson was brand new and you had all the announcements about assistant coaches and staff members and recruiting got underway really quick. So it was fun in the offseason, but this year with how this team could be, especially if Trace Jackson Davis returns, now that Arizona and Kansas are basically locked in, and we know a few other things about the non-conference, not a lot of details, but we know some things, uh, it's, it's okay to see a Kennesaw State added to the schedule. Last year, as the schedule announcements were made, it just – he, there wasn't a whole bunch to get excited about or there wasn't a whole bunch to to to, to talk about uh, now with Kansas and Arizona I think IU fans probably relieved to see a little Kennesaw State coming to Bloomington yeah exactly you're like oh wait you know we're getting two teams who were top five last year uh coming on their on our schedule plus 
you know, the ACC and Big East, you know, hey, let, let's get some of these easier games in here to, to, to rack up some wins in case some of those things go bad. So, yeah, I'm sure they, they had some of that thought. But, yeah, last year was, you know, I think aside from Syracuse, who, I mean, I know, I know the history between those two programs is there, and that made it a little bit more interesting. But, you know, Syracuse wasn't that great of a team last year. Um, St. John's was, you know, they were okay. And, and, you know, they were a decent team in the Big East, but they also weren't kind of a, you know, a, a world bust or anything like that. So, you know, that was a, a pretty weak non-conference slate. And uh, I think we saw it come to fruition early on in the Big Ten. And, and then they, when they hit those struggles, and that has happened to this team a lot, you know, they, they have a good start to the season. Then they get over to the, the Big Ten and they hit some of those tough, tough stretches just because maybe they haven't battled through it yet. So, you know, you're hoping that, you know, the schedule they got now is going to have really battle tested. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, you can't be too mad about last year because it's a new team. They're, they're playing together for the first time. They went to the Bahamas trip. They're just trying to get acclimated to each other, new coaching staff, all that kind of stuff. And I don't blame Woodson for having a little bit of an easier schedule. But now when you look at the talent on this roster, I think this Indiana roster, the way it is right now, this team deserves to go play a Kansas and an Arizona and be able to be in some of those high-profile national TV games where, you know, Indiana can be in the spotlight because this could be one of those teams that deserves to have that. And I think they're good enough to be able to compete. And I think, I think we're seeing that uh, go well. So I like what, you know, Indiana has done kind of constructing the schedule. It's going to, it's going to uh, have some exciting moments. I know a lot of fans are going to, be excited to watch those games. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely – I don't have any complaints about the schedule so far. I think it's going to be an exciting first couple months of the season whenever we get to it. Talking with Dylan Wallace, he's the uh, editor, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune, and he joins me on Fridays. We talk a lot of IU stuff, but we'll get into other local stuff as well, and that's where I want to head right now. I'm really excited about – first off, it's warm and it's been sunny and we haven't had – uh, damp or cold weather, at least on a regular basis here the last few days. So it's got me thinking about baseball and summer and schools are getting out. More get out next week. Uh, Dylan, are you there? Dylan, can you hear me? I think we may have lost Dylan, Doug, if you want to reconnect with him. But I want to talk a little bit about the 4-8 baseball sectional uh, when we get Dylan back on the line here in just a moment. I think we've got you now. Dylan, your your thoughts on Jennings County it's a really good baseball sectional every year. And right out of the gate for us down here, we get New Albany and Floyd Central against each other. Jennings County has a really good pitcher in Vogel that's committed to IU that could help them go the distance as well. And Seymour at times has been very competitive this season. Of course, Jeffersonville, always a threat when you get to postseason. I think next week, Wednesday, Saturday, and Monday, all weather pending, could be a lot of great baseball here in southern Indiana. Yeah, it should be a really good time. Um, you know, like I think I, we mentioned last week, you know, I was able to see New Albany in person. They were they were really good. Um, you know, I've seen I've seen Bedford, who I think is Seymour's first round opponent. Um, you know, it just this is just a competitive conference in, in a lot of sports, um, and, and it makes for some exciting sectional games. Um, you know, Seymour's got you know their best pitchers, you know, committed to go to Marion, so so that's exciting for him. And um, I, I think it should be some, some good baseball. Um, you know, I, I obviously. I'm sure New Albany is, is going to be potentially one of the favorites, but I'm also glad it's in Jennings County. You know, it's a nice, easy drive for, for us over here at Seymour to, to get over there. And they got, they got a nice facility over there as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy time for high school sports. You know, the sectionals are all kind of jammed into a, into a short window. You're going to have track regionals next week as well over uh, in Bloomington. 
Um, you're going to have all this kind of stuff. So uh, it's an exciting time. It's a busy time, but uh, I enjoy it because, you know, the postseason is what you play for when you're playing through that regular season. You're trying to build confidence. You're trying to get ready for your team to hopefully, you know, get to the sectional and then see what happens after that. So uh, the baseball should be good. I mean, I've seen a couple of Hoosiers teams so far this season. Uh, they've all been pretty good and pretty solid. Um, so, I, so hopefully we get some good games uh, coming up next week. And, uh, you know, I'm, I think it should be an exciting one. And, and hopefully whoever comes out of that sectional can, can have a little bit more of a deeper run as well. Yeah, absolutely. Dylan Wallace, the sports editor of the Seymour Tribune with me. Dylan, last week we talked a little bit about Tucker Biven. You had a chance to see him at Seymour, what a great pitcher he is and a prospect really that he is for the future. But, you know, really if you if you break that sectional down – on an individual basis, even, it's amazing the number of college commits. I can think of, I think, four from New Albany, four or five from Floyd Central, a handful from Jeff, I think maybe four there, and I could be missing some. That's just our local teams, plus Vogel going to IU from Jennings County. And I know there's some on the other teams in the sectional as well. That just seems like an amazing number of, of players in one sectional that whether it's D1 or NAIA or whatever level, even JUCO, are, are going to play collegiately and have a chance to, to be good college baseball players also. It's really cool. It's one of my, you know, one of the favorite things about covering high school sports is to kind of see, you know, the kids that are really good, you know, what, what they might be able to do, what kind of offers they get, you know, where they can look to go for their college career if they want to do that. And um, I've been I've been pleasantly surprised at how many kind of not just college but d1 players there have been out of the hoosier hills conference um you know because i like i said you know i've come from the the northern part of the state uh and you know there there there's a decent amount of d1 kids over there but then when i got to you know, i came to college in bloomington i realized you know indiana central kind of indianapolis area you know there's a lot of really talented kids now that i've gone down to seymour and, and seen a lot of the hoosier hills and stuff like that uh you know, I, I, I know, I know Seymour's a small town and I'm always wondering, you know, I wonder how these kids, you know, what they can do for college. And, you know, it's, it's been impressive. Uh, there's a lot of really good talent in the, in the HHC. And, uh, you know, you're right. You know, you're going down that list of, of guys who are going to play college collegiate baseball. And, you know, a lot of these other guys, um, you know, and you, you can look at this through across all the sports, you know, basketball, football, there's a lot of really, really good talent. And it's really, it's really awesome to see. And, and it's, it's always my favorite part, knowing when a kid, you know, like I said, we saw Tucker Biven last week. We know, you know, he could go to Louisville. And, and you, when you get to see these kids and you know they have a, a big college offer, you know, you, you know, you get to, to get to watch them and just kind of enjoy what they can do. And you're like, wow, this kid, you know, for a high school player is, is really, really good. And, and then, you know, you always kind of remember that name and you, you can keep up with them as they go on. So that, that's a really fun part of it. And, uh, you know, I've been, I've been pleasantly surprised at how talented, you know, some of these kids are in, in this conference and, and how many can, can go continue their careers. And whether it's D1 or, or even D2, D3, whatever it may be, uh, there, there's a lot of guys that are going to continue playing this sport at, at the next level, and that's really cool to see. Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. He's kind enough to give us some time on Fridays as we talk IU basketball, football, and more. Dylan, thank you. Have a great weekend, and uh, I'll run into you next week, I'm sure, at some point there in North Vernon for the baseball sectional. Yep, sounds good. Thank you. All right, we'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back with our final segment of the week. Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star set to join me. We'll talk some recruiting and some high school basketball and a lot more to wrap things up today. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.
We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this in for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back. Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star with me here on this Friday program. The Thornton's text line is open. That number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Kyle, always enjoy your coverage of high school sports and recruiting from around the state. And you had a story a few days ago that's not about a player from our local area, but a guy in southern Indiana and his dad is sure a no-name, and Coach Dave Benner from Brownstown, his son, is going to be, if he's not already, a no-name in our basketball community. Jack Benner, a young player in our state here in southern Indiana, but he's going to be a good one. Yeah, he is, and it was fun to, to go down and, and see him. And, I, you know, I'd seen him. I, I was hoping to see him in person uh, this year, but only watched, uh, you know, some streaming and, and some highlights. But to go down there in person and see him, uh, man, he really – you know, obviously shoots the ball really well. I think the biggest thing Jack's working on and, and that he's getting better at is just showing he can, you know, guard, you know, multiple positions. And, and that's going to be the biggest thing, I think, for him. And his dad and him both, you know, talked about it is, you know, he's going to have to, you know, kind of overcome the small town, you know, shooter, you know, not that being a great shooter is a stigma, but just kind of, uh, you know, can you do the other things that allow you to play at, a say, a Purdue or Indiana or a, a power five type school uh and that that you know and both those schools are in on him and and have been in recently purdue i think's been in you know multiple times and i know iu's been in a couple times too so you know that'll be the the thing and i he's going to continue to put up you know really good numbers he's got some more help on his team now uh than he did so i think that's going to benefit him obviously and, and their team but you know, I'm I'm really curious to see kind of where he goes from here as far as his his game and his uh, recruitment goes. He's six foot five now, and and uh, you know, obviously his reputation is as a shooter. He's a really good one, but you know, can he guard? Can he you know be the guy you know who can also take you off the dribble and do some of those things? So, you know, that's the biggest thing. And it's it's uh, he's obviously got a you know a, a lineage. His dad was a really good player there, and a Hanover as well, but. Uh, but he's also been around the game so much, you know, just as a as a kid, you know, he just, uh, you know, he was part of that 2014 uh, Indian All-Star team that his dad coached, you know, and he, he sent me a little video of, uh, you know, Jack, he was shooting out at uh, Gamebridge on the floor there and, you know, shooting with uh, uh, Brian McIntosh, who played at Greensburg at the time and, you know, is now a assistant at Northwestern and he's actually recruiting Jack. So it's kind of funny how, you know, the, the cycle of basketball in Indiana just kind of, uh, you know, is all interconnected in a lot of ways. So, you know, that's interesting, too. You know, part of his story is just his, his background in basketball and just being around it such a, since a very young age and, you know, just wanting to be a, a high school basketball player. Kyle Neddenrip, the Indianapolis. But, uh, I think we lost you there, Kyle. Are you back with us now? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I got you, Matt. Got you now, yep. Kyle, uh, moving on, another story that I wanted to broach with you today. Uh, you did your final player rankings. You're, you're a brave guy getting in the world of player rankings in the class <laughs> of 2022 in the Hoosier State. 
And C.J. Gunn, who's headed to Bloomington, in fact, he'll be in Bloomington in, I think, less than a month, uh, coming out of Lawrence North High School near Indianapolis. He was number three behind Jalen Washington and also Fletcher Lawyer, Washington going to North Carolina. And Lawyer, obviously a big-time player as well that was Gatorade Player of the Year and going to play for the Boilermakers in West Lafayette. Uh, Take us through those 2022 final rankings by you, Kyle. Yeah, and the way I do it is kind of like I think how the the recruiting services do it. You kind of look at what they're going to be rather than what they've accomplished, uh, sort of. I mean, I I sort of give them credit for what they've done. Obviously, that's part of who you are uh, as a player, but kind of how you project the next level. And, you know, to me, the toughest one is Jalen Washington because he's only played, you know, a hand. He played an entire year as a junior, basically, and then nothing else, uh, really, as far as any extended playing time goes. So, you know, do you put him number one? I think having seen him his junior year and, and even before that when he was healthy, uh, I think his game just really translates well uh, to the next level at North Carolina and beyond if he can stay healthy. And that's kind of the biggest thing for him is, is can he stay healthy? And I, that'll be a, you know, you, you hate to think he could be a what-if type of a, a story like that. So, you know, to me, I think he's still the guy you put there uh, until – maybe proven otherwise at this point, and this is the last ranking. So I guess until, you know, until we see what he does really, but, you know, and I think Fletcher lawyer is, as you know, with his length and. And I think we just dropped Kyle. So we'll try to reconnect with him, but going through the uh, 2022 rankings, uh, which of course, a lot of these guys that Kyle was telling us about before he was disconnected are guys that are going to play uh, for the Indiana All-Stars a little bit later this summer. But uh, behind those three, one, two, three, with uh, gun number three, Braden Smith of Westfield, also a Purdue guy. He's number four, Tay Davis of Warren Central. Remember, at one time, Davis was committed to join his brother at UofL, and then he committed to, or entered the well didn't enter the portal. He didn't have to. His brother entered the portal, and both the Davis brothers uh, committed, changed their decisions with a coaching change at Louisville to Seton Hall. Connor Asijan, who that's a familiar name for us. Uh, he battled against Providence with the Pioneers, successful in that battle in the state championship game. He was number six. Jackson Edwards, a 4A state champion from Cathedral is number seven in Kyle's rankings. Ryan Conwell of Indianapolis Pike, not as familiar with him. He's number eight. Tayshawn Comer from Cathedral is nine. And Pete Suter of Carmel, who I think he's going to play at Bellarmine next season. He rounds out the top ten. But just kind of recapping the senior class, the class of 2022, uh, with Kyle Nedenrip of the Indianapolis Star. We'll try to get him back with us here in just a moment. But such a busy time of year right now. For high school sports, you've got spring sports, which, again, some of the track and field sectionals are underway. You've got baseball postseason beginning next week. Lots of college commitments, so many different headlines to keep up with. And Kyle, of course, tries to cover things from Indianapolis and really across the state. Just a, a busy time. On top of that, you've got the travel, the grassroots basketball, the AAU basketball. So uh, Kyle following some of that from a recruiting perspective. Kyle, I think we've got you with us again. Uh, you were kind of going through a recap of 2022 and some of those top guys. And really specifically, I think, why gun number three behind those other two? That's IU fans listening probably most interest, interested in him. Yeah, and I was saying I think he's just really a, a guy who I think could be uh, potentially even higher uh, on that list. And I, I think he's a you know, very athletic uh, player. 
Uh, he maybe hasn't had the consistency, uh, but in fairness to him, he really had a good, you know, had a team this year where he had to had to shoot a lot, had to score a lot, and he did. He had a great uh, sectional game. I think he had 39 points against a really good Warren Central team in the sectional. And, you know, I, I think he, the thing about him is just going to be, you know, and he can do it on both ends of the floor, too. I meant to say that. I mean, he's a, he's a good defender, a plus defender who can uh, guard multiple spots. So, you know, I really think he could end up being higher. I think that's it's kind of the, the you know, the it's up to him. I think he can really do it if he if he sets his mind to it. And, you know, I think he's one of those guys who, who I think will be a good college player. He's got all the uh, ability uh, there. And, and, you know, I think he's going to be a uh, potentially really good player. It's just a matter of doing it consistently. Uh, but, yeah, I was saying I think that 23 class is maybe a little bit deeper uh, than 22 as a whole. Uh, but I, this 2022 class is a pretty good one too. I think people are, you know, maybe uh, you know missing the boat a little bit if they think it's a down class. I think there's some really good players who ultimately be really good college players in that class too. Kyle, somebody asked me. They said uh, when you talk with uh, Ned Rip on Friday, you got to ask him uh, with uh, summer basketball just around the corner. His early thoughts on some of the best teams in the state for next season, and see if he thinks anybody in Southern Indiana is going to be at that statewide level. Of course, we've got a league here that begins in June, and it's just massive this year with Southern Indiana and Louisville teams. It's going to be 300 or more games between all levels of play from high school all the way down. Uh, So with that said, we're going to get a chance in a few weeks to find out what Southern Indiana hoops and really Louisville hoops could look like for next season as well. How do you see the state next year, Kyle? Yeah, and I apologize. I'm losing. I'm driving here, Matt. So if I lose you, I'm just for that. But it's been a really, you know, I think June will kind of tell the tale. I mean, I always uh, point to that. Charlie Hughes is, is kind of telling us who, you know, from a statewide level is, is who to watch. And, you know, we, I think we have a, a kind of a general idea around here, Ben Davis. I mean, if they return everybody, they're hoping to, uh, they're going to be probably the best team in the state, uh, or at least in our area on paper, I would say. And, and also cathedral, I think is, is, you know, still with, you know, if they return everybody, you know, Xavier Booker, and even though they lose Tayshawn Comer and Jackson Edwards, you know, they have Booker Tibbs, uh, a couple of young guards who uh, played as freshmen on varsity. And so I, I think as the defending state champs, you can't really look, you know, too far past them either. Uh, you know, I think it's, there's, there's just a lot. I mean, I, I, you know, we, I know we talked about Jack Benner and that's it going down, but they're two a, uh, now, you know, will that be a team, you know, to watch in class two a, I think they will be, uh, they've got another kid who, who came in from Scottsburg, who I think will be eligible by, you know, closer to the end of the season. Uh, so they, I think they're going to be a handful at that two a level. And then, you know, beach Grove, which won three a last year, they basically returned their entire team. Uh, for the most part, they lost a couple seniors who averaged, you know, between four and five points, but you know, that'll be, I think, still they're going to have a target on their back, you know, going into 3A next year. So, you know, I think there's just, you know, we'll see. I I think I'll have a better handle, and I'm sure you will too, by the end of June, you know, where we can kind of see some of these teams play. It doesn't mean everything, you know, it doesn't mean, you know, if you have a bad June, doesn't mean uh, you you start 0-6 at the start of November or anything. But, you know, it'll tell a little bit about the personnel, uh, you know, some of the teams, how they're going to, you know, compare and, and maybe what areas they need to improve. But, you know, we'll see. I think it should be a really good year. I think that that junior class, like I mentioned, will be seniors. Uh, there's a lot of talent in that class, and I think it's pretty well spread out throughout the state. All right, Kyle Nedenrip, the Indianapolis Star. Kyle, thanks for the run today. 
Always great to end the week with some basketball stuff, and we'll talk with you next Friday. Hey, thanks a lot, Matt. All right, one other thing I wanted to mention. A texter just sent this in. Great point. Very disappointed. Casey Kalen, who had a great year for Providence, did not make the top 100 workout. Uh, unbelievable that he was left off. It's a coaches association event. I know that Ryan Miller and his staff at Providence really campaigned hard for him, but uh, sad to see him not on that list of top players and get a chance to compete with them this summer. Have a great weekend. Back with you Monday. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.